Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today we are going to be covering Xander Bogarts, Michael Brantley, and Jose Quintana. Uh, These player profile recommendations come via Mike Eckerd at Mike E-C-K-A-R-D on Twitter. Uh, Mike left a rating and a review for the podcast and so got to choose uh, three players. He actually got four because he got to choose Marcelo Zuna that showed up on the last one. So nice work there, Mike, getting in four players uh, instead of just three. It never hurts uh, to ask. So these are a really interesting group of players too. Um, Really, you know, two guys that I really like. I think heading into next year, one guy who I think, you know, where he's going in ADP, I think he has the possibility of returning some value. You'll get to listen to the podcast and find out what exactly and who exactly those folks are. Before we jump into that, I just wanted to, uh, earlier today, I was joking around, I was taking a look at some of the ADP lists, and I noticed that Jonathan VR um, has jumped up. His current ADP, I think, is 109 um, right now. Um, and he had a minimum pick of 53. And so I remember, uh, you know, Adalberto Mondesi has gone um, really high up and, in drafts. And I remember everybody was using VR as kind of, oh, well, if you're not getting, um, you know, why, why grab Mondesi when you can wait until pick 150 to grab Jonathan VR? Well, I think the challenge with that is that, um, you know, it's really hard to get stolen bases. And so we're starting to see that, you know, that that VR is moving up draft boards now too a little bit. And uh, because of that, you know, the value proposition is changing slightly. I think he's going to continue to go up draft boards. Um, you know, right now I'm looking at um, the last 15 NFBC drafts that have gone through. His ADP is 103 or 104. And so I think he's just going to continue to creep up these draft boards. And I was just joking around. I said, oh, look at his ADP, you know, um, you know, uh, VR truthers, like, uh, you know, how's your buy low alternative working for you now? And I signed it uh, at Alberto Mondesi uh, truthers because, you know, you're kind of falling to one of the two camps. It seems like the guys who like at Alberto Mondesi and the guys who like uh, Jonathan VR. Uh, I think I fall somewhere in the middle. I love Mondesi. Um, the reason why I, I lean towards Mondesi despite the ADP difference is this. I know that Mondesi is a young talent and that he is part of the future with the Royals. And we know that the Royals really could give uh, two craps about OBP, right? They let Alcides Escobar, the worst hitter in the league, get 162 games for like every season ever. Um and so I don't, I don't see a situation um, within maybe the 95th percentile of outcomes in which Mondesi gets sent down because he's a plus defender. He's going to contribute that way. He has already been successful having a low um, OBP, right? His OBP wasn't very high this year, you know, and I think it'll go down a little bit because I don't expect the average to be as high as it was. And I'll do a deep dive on him. Maybe in one of the upcoming podcasts, I'll do a deep dive on VR Mondesi and maybe another stolen base guy, maybe like a Malik Smith or something like that. Um, But, you know, Mondesi, I don't see a situation outside of injury where he isn't going to get like 500 plate appearances. I can see situations where maybe he gets bumped into eighth or ninth in the batting order uh, because, uh, you know, they have Billy Hamilton now. Um, But I I don't necessarily see that happening that often. And if he's, if he's, you know, I heard uh, earlier this week that he might bat leadoff with Merrifield batting second. And if that's the case, that's not a bad situation to be from a run generating standpoint where, you know, Mondesi can steal second and then you have a high batting average guy like Merrifield, maybe not a power guy, but, you know, Mondesi is going to be trying to get to second as much as he can um, if he's leading off. And he'll also probably have a lot of stay-alone base opportunities since once a game, if he gets on, um, he's going to be the only guy on base. And if he bats after Billy Hamilton, he's probably going to get on base. Uh, without anybody in front of him a lot too. So I think there's a lot of things going well for Mondesi. And then I really like the barrel rate. Um, So that gives me a better sense of his power overall. 
One thing I think that is kind of a wild card for me for VR is obviously we've seen what he's been able to do, right? He's been able to hit for power. He's been able to steal a ton of bases. And I think if he gets a lot of plate appearances, that value is going to be there for sure. Again, I think he's going to end up being pretty high up there, like 60, 70, 80 P maybe. So the difference isn't going to be that big between him um, and Mondesi. The thing that concerns me a little bit with VR is that VR does not have a good OBP, right? He hits a ton of ground balls in, at really bad launch angles. His ground ball rate, I think it's like, I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say it's like 55% uh, or something like that. That was really one of his major issues. Now, he doesn't have a very high OBP. And one of the things that um, is going to change, I think, in Baltimore is the approach around analytics, right? They just hired the guy who was the number two, essentially, in Houston to be their GM. They're bringing in some guys from Houston who are really well respected in the analytics community. Um, and so you're telling me that they are gonna bat uh, Jonathan VR um, and his, um, you know, at league average OBP number one in the lineup? Ah, I'm not so sure, right? VR's OBP for his, for his career is 325. So it's not necessarily terrible, uh, but they have a guy, for instance, Cedric Mullins, who demonstrated really strong plate discipline early on, has a little bit of speed, so maybe he's gonna be the guy who's batting number one. Obviously, they don't have a ton of options, but my concern with VR is that from an analytics perspective, what he brings to the, to the table isn't necessarily that, that good, right? The stolen bases are obviously important, as are being successful on your stolen bases. But again, like I, I'm just uh, not quite sure how much uh, faith they're gonna they're, they're gonna have him in having him, and whether they're gonna be committed to going with him, um, or whether they're gonna be more committed to youth. He's also a negative uh, defender, um, at least according to defensive runs saved at every position except for second base. So maybe he ends up at second base and he can contribute there. Um, and he's only 27, so he's still relatively young. Um, but, you know, I'm just not sure if the commitment is going to be there um, necessarily with VR. So anyways, this has been a long kind of segment um, on Mondesi and VR. Um, I do think that their ABDPs are gonna close and there's not gonna be that much of a difference. And I do believe more in Mondesi in terms of getting opportunities um, to get on base and having the green light with Ned Yost as his manager. We've seen it before. Uh, we're gonna hopefully see it again. And I think with VR, you have questions about, you know, whether his skill set necessarily suits um, what the Orioles are gonna be focused on at the top of the lineup. Um, and also whether they see him as a long-term commitment. Cause I think he's just got, he's got one more year on his contract, I think, before he becomes a free agent. That may be, or may not be the case. But anyways, he, um, you know, so that's where the question for me really lies. Not necessarily in in trusting whether VR will steal a lot of stolen, have a lot of stolen bases and get double digit home runs if he has the opportunity. I think he will. Um, it's just going to be, you know, whether the new manager and the new management in the Orioles um, give him the opportunity to steal bases um, as much. So I'll, I'll end it there. I will, uh, in a subsequent podcast, I will focus in on a deep dive on those guys, and that'll give me, I think, a better sense of, of where, where, where they're going and whether I like one or the other more. But I just wanted to have a little fun because I feel like those are two really strong camps in the fantasy baseball um, community. I don't know if you could hear that, but my cat was meowing uh, in the background. So in the last podcast, you had baby crying. Now you got cat meowing, you know, all types of crazy things going on in my household. Anyways, um, let's hop to it with Xander Bogarts and Michael Brantley and Jose Quintana. As always, if you do like the podcast, please do give us a rating and a review. If you give us a five-star rating, uh, let me know. You can choose one player to be profiled on a future podcast. If you do a five-star rating and leave a nice review, uh, then you can choose three players who will be on a subsequent podcast. I think we have one more um, uh, podcast coming up that is based on a rating and review. So if you're interested, uh, go ahead, leave a, leave a rating and review, and you will have a podcast coming up soon. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, definitely the best place to connect with and engage 
uh, Instagram at batflipcrazy, Facebook at batflipcrazyfantasy, YouTube, batflipcrazy, blog, batflipcrazy.com. On the YouTube thing, if there's anything I'm talking about in any of these profiles and you hear it and you don't know what I'm talking about or you haven't seen it, whether it's a rolling average graph or uh, looking at pitch splits or you know whatever it is, just uh, you know, shoot me, uh, reach out to me on Twitter, let me know. I'm happy to put together more YouTube videos kind of showing you how I pull information and how I use them um, if they are helpful to you. So, all right, let's do it. Xander Bogarts, Michael Brantley, Jose Quintana. Let's get this party started. First up today, we have Xander Bogarts, shortstop for the world champion Boston Red Sox. Bogarts is a good example of a guy who struggled through injury uh, and saw his ADP drop significantly. Uh, this year, though, it's back uh, in its what looks like the rightful place. Uh, 48.7 ADP in the two early mock drafts, 48.3 uh, with minimum pick of 39 and a max pick of 58 so far in the 20 NFBC drafts. Um, so going right around that 48th pick looks pretty um, solid and stable for the time being. Let's jump into the numbers. Uh, 580 plate appearances this last year. Um, the season really got interrupted um, by an injury. Uh, he was cruising earlier on in the season. The injury broke it up, but he still managed to put together a really solid season. Previous years, 635 and 719 uh, plate appearances. 288 batting average on a 288 expected average, so uh, very solid there. 273 on a 284 expected, and then 294 on a 286 expected. So his expected average the last three years is 286, 284, 288. So pretty consistent right there. Um, obviously, you never know what you're going to get from season to season, but I think you can bank on a pretty solid batting average from Xander Bogarts. Uh, Babbitt, not totally out of whack. He's always been a pretty high Babbitt guy, 335, 327, and then 317 this year. So actually his lowest Babbitt of the last three years uh, this year. K rate is uh, low, which is not surprising given really strong contact skills, above league average contact, uh, above league average in-zone contact by about 3.5%, keeping that uh, strikeout rate down at 17.6% after 18.3 and 17.1. So again, very consistent approach at the plate in terms of contact, 91 to 89, uh, 81 to 79 overall for contact. The previous number I mentioned was in-zone contact. Um, so really consistent um, uh, contact skills here for Bogarts, helping to support that uh, relatively high batting average. OBP, uh, 356 two years ago, 343 last year, 360 this year. Uh, we see some improvement, some gradual improvement in his plate discipline. O-swing from 32.4 in 2016 to 30.3 last year, and then a better-than-league average, 27.4% this year, which is reflected in that three-year high OBP at 360. So very nice to see that. He's also become a little bit more selective at, at the plate, 43.2% uh, swing percentage overall, 46.6% is league average. And then as a result of that improved plate discipline, we see a three-year high walk rate uh, in 2018 of 9.5%, up from 8.8% and 8.1%. So really solid um, overall plate discipline and uh, contact skills uh, for Xander Bogarts. That provides a really steady foundation I think fantasy owners can count on uh, moving forward. He's also young. He's been around for a while, but he's still only 26 years old. Uh, 72 runs scored uh, this year, 12.4% runs per plate appearance. Um, batting um, with uh, Andrew Benintendi and Mookie Betts uh, batting at the top of the lineup. Uh, that run percentage is not going to be uh, super elite, but with the nice OBP and a solid overall lineup, uh, Bogart is certainly a guy who's not going to hurt you in that department. Last year, he had 94 Year before that, triple digits at 115 at 16% runs per plate appearance. That seems a little bit like the outlier, but no reason to see why he can't replicate last year's runs per plate appearance total, if not improve on that, um, depending on where he ends up uh, in the batting lineup. Uh, home runs 23 last year, which was really nice return to power after 10 
in 2017. He dealt with, I believe it was a wrist injury last year, I want to say, um, where he got hit by a pitch. And after getting hit by that pitch, all of his power metrics just crashed. Um, and so it was nice to see him rebound after 21 home runs in 2016, too. So two consecutive years of low 20 home runs, which is really nice, uh, supported by expected home run totals of 23.9 this year and 23.3 in 2016. So that looks like kind of true talent level uh, for his home run rate at this point with his current skills, um, you know, 23-24. Uh, when you think about it, you know, that really solid um, you know, batting average plate uh, discipline approach um, coupled with, you know, that that's going to get him on base to score runs. Depending on where he hits in the lineup, that'll really, you know, if he were to bat at the top of the lineup, for instance, right, if he were to bat in front of J.D. Martinez, uh, that would be a different story. But, um, uh, you know, his run total, you'd expect it to be a lot higher. But a lot of that, as usual, depends on kind of opportunity and where he bats. But he's got all the makings of a guy who can help out an average OBP runs home runs. Now let's get over to um, looking in depth at some of the more power metrics. 4% uh, home runs per plate appearance this year. Uh, which was supported by the expected home runs. That is slightly better than league average. His hard hit rate was a three-year high at 37.9%, uh, up from 31.4% last year, which is really nice. And then his ground ball rate also dipped, 43.3%. So right around league average. Last year was 48.9, the year before that. So a three-year low in that department as well. So the power metrics looking uh, all trending in a really nice direction. Home run per fly ball at 15.5% this year. Again, all of the metrics really support that. Um, and so I'm not worried about the bump up in home run per fly ball rate. Uh, that was up from 7.2% last year with the injury and then 11.4% uh, in 2016. We look at the hard hit pulled, uh, the hard hit fly ball rate. Not surprisingly, that's at a three-year high, 35.8%. So right around league average up from 23 and 28 uh, 0.1%. Hard hit pulled fly ball rate was down, uh, or was up uh, from 2017, down from 2016, 35.9%, so better than league average. That's really nice for a guy who's hitting in Fenway uh, to hit for power. Those hard hit pulled fly balls are a bonus uh, in Fenway, especially if you can get enough, enough loft to get it over the monster. 31.3% uh, last year, 44.2%, so uh, no major concerns there in terms of the hard hit pulled fly ball rate. Uh, all of the luck for the last three years, he's been pretty solidly at or above league average. Barrels, he took a monster jump um, this year. 41 barrels, 7.1% barrels per plate appearance. Again, 2017 power metrics were really marred by that hand injury. 0.9% barrels last year, so a 6.2% jump. 3.9% um, in uh, 2016. Really looks like Bogarts is coming into... Uh, his power, the power that he was projected at, at uh, when he first came into the league. And that is really, really uh, nice to see an added bonus there for Bogarts. Average home run distance, 400 to 407 the last three years. 103 RBIs this year, 17.8% RBI per plate appearance. Batting um, in the heart of the uh, Red Sox lineup will certainly give you plenty of RBI opportunities. I don't see why that would necessarily change this year. Uh, 62 uh, RBI um, last year, 9.8%, and then 89 out of 12.4%. Both of those were when he was batting uh, more towards the front end of the lineup. Um, and so you saw the higher run totals. Right now, he's an RBI guy who can also contribute in runs. Remember, he also didn't hit. Um, he was just short, yeah, by 20 plate appearances of 600 plate appearances. So if he can stay healthy for the full season, uh, you're looking at a guy who could potentially, and again, you don't want to bank on this, but could potentially provide you with triple digits in both runs uh, and RBI this year. Woba, 373 last year, supported by a 370 expected Woba. That's up from 326 and 345. Again, he's still pretty young. All the trends look solid. The skills are really, really stable, which is nice. Um, and so I don't necessarily see this highest um, expected Woba that we've seen of the last three years. I don't see that as kind of the outlier. See the 326 from last year as the outlier. Stolen bases, only eight this year after 15 and 13, the two previous years. 1.4% stolen base per plate appearance. Uh, so right around league average, that's down from 2.4 and 1.8% the two previous years. He has been successful as a, uh, a guy stealing bases 
uh, 80% in 2018, 93.8% in 2017, 76.5% in 2016. So three consecutive years um, at or well above uh, the 75% mark, which is key. His stolen base opportunities, pretty consistent, 6.8% two years ago, 6.8% last year, dipping a little bit to 5% this year. Again, maybe reflecting uh, where he's hitting uh, in the lineup, uh, more in the middle of the lineup for the Red Sox as opposed to at the top of the lineup, and just you know reflecting kind of the Red Sox having, having some mashers. <laughs> um, sprint speed, 28.3, 28.3, and then most recently 27.8 feet per second, so... Uh, faster than league average, but not necessarily a huge speed guy. Again, the stolen base success rate has been consistently good. And so I might actually anticipate a little bit of a rebound um, in his stolen bases, maybe add a couple and get into the low double digits um, heading into next year. Let's take a look at his uh, detailed batted ball profile. And there's one little element of this, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, This year, he saw a 10% increase in his hard drive rate. Remember, those hard drives are those low fly balls, high line drives that tend to go for home runs um, and extra base hits. The best kind of batted ball that you can hit, a 10% increase from 4.2% to 14.2%, 7.9% two years ago. So really a huge step in the batted ball department. One good thing about this dramatic increase in hard drive percentage is that hard drive percentage is one of the uh, types of batted balls that has the highest year-to-year uh, correlation. And so seeing that big jump, I would anticipate that he'll keep uh, at least most of uh, that moving forward. Pop-ups were up just a little bit, slightly above league average, um, but not, you know, uh, not too much of a concern. His fly ball rate also um, up a couple percentages, not a huge uh, concern necessarily. Line drive rate down. So we saw a lot of those line drives convert into hard drives. Uh, Clear sign that he's trying to or he was elevating, I don't know about trying it, but that he was elevating the ball. An increase um, in the top three um, higher launch angle types of batted ball. Uh, His ground balls was really high, uh, 22%, so about um, 2.5% above league average. Those are high Babbitt ground balls. And in a super nice development, um, he had a 12% dip in his dribbler percentage. So those are those batted balls that are, are have a really low BABIP and just don't really do anything for you. Even in his previous year when he didn't have the hand injury, that was up at 27.4%. So really, really nice development overall for Bogarts. You can see this in his value hit percentage at 12.9%, almost 4% above league average at 9%, and well above any previous mark by at least 2.5% in previous seasons. And then his poor hit percentage was below league average as well at 24.3% down 4.5% and 5.5% from the two previous years. So really, really nice uh, detailed batted, batted ball profile uh, from Bogarts, just headed in a really, really nice direction. I like uh, the way that that is going. Let's take a look at the rolling average graphs. Z-Contact, pretty solid throughout the year. A little bit of a dip um, towards the end, but still uh, well above league average. He low, uh, his low was his last uh, 40 games, 87.2% Z-Contact. That's still about 2% better than league average. The peak was at 92.9% over 40 games uh, back in the middle of August. So really nice contact there. Again, pretty stable uh, plate skills. Uh, O-Swing, also well below the three-year trend line for most of the year. Uh, It did uh, spike up a little bit towards the end to 31.6% O-Swing, but when you take a look at the longer-term trends, um, they are definitely positive when it comes to O-Swing. One also really interesting development to see is that his ground ball rate started to drop uh, considerably towards the end of the season, all the way down to 38% over his last 40 games. Uh, he used to be a high ground ball guy, and so a clear change um, in the approach and uh, launch angle changes are some of the stickiest uh, year to year. So that's a really nice um, nice trend right there for Bogarts. Hard hit rate also uh, above his three-year trend line for the whole season, uh, peaking uh, at around 43% uh, in the middle of the year, and then Uh, down at about 35.5%, so around league average toward the end of the season. But really nice trends there. And you can kind of see those really nice trends if you extend out the rolling average 
um, to 80 games. Very, very consistent Z contact, actually trending a little bit up. Um, the ground ball rate also trending um, down, but very consistent around league average, um, which is really good. The hard hit rate cresting up. Again, really good development there. And then the O swing uh, below the three-year trend line for three uh, for the whole whole year um, and better than league average. So really nice trends for Bogarts, um, both in terms of his plate discipline and just the overall makeup. Just really, really nice trend lines. I'm loving what I'm seeing um, from him. Now let's take a look uh, at uh, where he is going overall in drafts. Uh, around that 88th spot, 48.4 now. Um, so guys going around him, Adalberto Mondesi right above him, uh, Carlos Correa, Ozzy Albies, Reese Hoskins. Uh, behind him, Cody Bellinger, Anthony Rendon, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Glaber Torres. You know, I, I like Xander Bogarts better than pretty much all of these guys. I think I've got to dig into Adalberto Mondesi. Obviously, the stolen bases give him a really nice floor. Um, and, I'm, and I talked about him earlier uh, in the podcast, in the intro. I don't see a lot of reasons why the Royals would move away from him since they stuck with Alcides Escobar at bar and his league worst bad, uh, just being probably the league worst hitter um, and let him play 162 games for a couple years in Mondesi's and a, a plus defender. So that's the one guy I might consider getting him, but I see no reason why... Um, Correa, uh, Albies, even a guy like Hoskins um, would be going ahead of, um, should be going ahead of Bogarts. Uh, also, you know, I like Anthony Rendon a lot. I like Bellinger, but again, uh, Bogarts is going to get you similar stolen bases. Uh, the home runs aren't that much off. He's going to contribute a lot more average and probably better, um, uh, better counting stats. So I'd have him up there. Anthony Rendon's is actually a pretty good comp to Xander Bogarts, both with really nice uh, plate discipline, uh, contact skills, a decent amount of power, a lot of counting stats. Bogarts has a little bit more speed, though, so I like him more, too. So really like Xander Bogarts right here. I could see him moving him up um, into the back end of the third round, uh, you know, in the in the 40 to 45 range. I don't like a ton of hitters in this spot, and so he might be a guy that I'm prioritizing if I'm going um, hitting at that uh, point in time. Let's take a look at other shortstops. We covered a couple of them. So Adalberto Mondesi, Carlos Correa. I think uh, Bogarts would probably, uh, for me, be the number seven um, shortstop. Uh, you have Lindor, Bregman, Turner, Baez, Machado, Story, um, Bogarts. That's the ADP currently. Um, you know, I may like Bogarts actually more than Baez just because I think um, well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm not go getting Baez at his current 12 ADP. Uh, that's for sure. But, um, you know, uh, so I probably have him. Yeah. I probably have Bogarts as the seventh best shortstop. I definitely see him better than, um, you know, probably better than Mondesi, better than Torres, better than Segura, Seeger, Peraza, Anderson, Profar, so on and so forth. So, um, Xander Bogarts really, Really like what I see from him. Uh, the opportunity to take another step forward uh, this year, um, you know, with with if he can avoid injury and he can stay healthy, just an an all around contributor. He's pretty close to a five category contributor. Stolen bases being being the weakest area, but you know he's been successful when stealing. And if he can increase those plate appearances, the stolen bases are likely to come too. So really nice player Xander Bogarts is turning into. Next up, we've got Michael Brantley, uh, free agent outfielder, formerly of the Cleveland Indians. 113.3 uh, ADP in the two early mock drafts. He's down at 122.2 with a min pick of 83 and a max pick of 142 uh, for Brantley. Uh, so uh, Brantley obviously struggled with injuries um, for two of the last three years, but um, has uh, put together a full season last year, 631 plate appearances, uh, which is really nice. Um, 309 batting average on a 324 expected average. The dude's got insane contact skills. Um, actually has the highest in-zone contact rate at 97.6% of anybody in baseball. And so that's going to be a really good 
and very helpful uh, skill to have in order to generate a really good batting average. 297 expected batting average uh, in 2017 on a 299 uh, batting average. I'm going to focus on the last two years because he only had 43 plate appearances uh, three years ago. So, um, or two years ago. Uh, so that 324, his strikeout rate was 9.5%, super low. Um, after 13.3% um, in 2017, uh, Babbitt 319, 325, so very consistent there. Again, probably the best contact skills in the league. His contact percentage uh, overall, including outside the zone and inside the zone, was 90.7%. So 5% better than league average on in-zone contact alone. That 97.6 number on Z-contact is nuts. So from a purely contact perspective, um, really nice to see it here. And, and obviously that supports a really high batting average, which is incredibly valuable in today's uh, fantasy baseball landscape. OBP 364 and 357 the last two years. Um, so solidly better than league average. Not an elite OBP guy necessarily. Um, but very, very solid. His O swing is at 27.7 and 27.6% the last two years, so very consistent, as is the swing rate, slightly below league average at 44%. His walk rate, right around league average, 8.3% last year, 7.6% this year. Um, he scored uh, 89 runs this year on a 14.1% runs per plate appearance, batting uh, largely, um, uh, largely third, um, in the Indians uh, lineup after Francisco Lindor and uh, Jose Ramirez, or was he mostly batting second? I should really uh, know this and look this up uh, right now. I will, I will tell you in one second. We will interrupt this regularly scheduled program. Um, when you're going through all these players, sometimes you just, uh, you just forget. Um, so yes, batting second. Uh, most of the time, yeah. So batting second most of the time in front of Jose Ramirez and Edwin Encarnacion, that's a fairly enviable position to be in uh, from a run scoring perspective. Um, so depending on where he signs next year, obviously that will have a really big impact, but he's an ideal um, number two um, hitter. And so he'll likely slot in there, um, again, depending on where he ends up signing. Uh, rumors have been Atlanta may be a place where he'd end up. He'd be really great um, in that lineup for sure. Um, other places um, like Philly, uh, I have heard rumored um, potentially some others. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. Not a ton of talk about where he's going to end up, but that will obviously influence a lot uh, his run scoring ability. But 89, very solid. He gets on base a lot, so it should be solid uh, one way or the other. 17 home runs on 16.2 expected home runs this year, 9 on 8 expected home runs uh, last year in a shortened season. Uh, home runs per plate appearance around the same, 2.4% last year, 2.7% this year, 2.1% uh, expected and 2.6% expected, which are all four below league average, and that's not necessarily surprising. We don't see him uh, really crushing the ball um, in the air, and he also has a slightly elevated uh, ground ball rate. So not really surprising. We did see about a um, 3% jump in hard hit rate uh, up to 37.1% uh, this year. So that's a nice little development. His ground ball rate also fell about 4%, but still at 45%. So slightly above league average. He might be able to get, um, you know, close to 20 home runs. I mean, 17 is relatively close, but it could be more likely if that trend continues and he's able to get that ground ball rate down a little bit. Obviously, there's a give and take between BABIP uh, and that fly ball rate, generally speaking. So just something to uh, be, be aware of and monitor, but very consistent 10.9 and 10.8% home run uh, per fly ball. So below league average, his hard hit fly ball rate the last two years um, has also been below league average, 33.7% last year, 34%. Uh, this year, so 3.5% below league average. He does pull a decent amount of his hard-hit fly balls, 39.6% and 39.3%, so pretty consistently uh, about 7% uh, better than league average. Barrels per plate appearance, 3.0 and 3.2% the last two years, um, so he's not making that elite-level contact necessarily. And then his uh, home run distance, nothing to write home about. Uh, RBI, 76 
uh, 12% uh, RBI per plate appearance uh, this year, batting second again, um, you know, in front of Lindor. Lindor gets on a decent amount um, in front of him, but again, without uh, having a ton of power, uh, Brantley's number is right around league average at 12.5%. Uh, you know, if he bats, um, obviously, you know, RBIs are, are going to be a product of opportunity and where he's batting in the lineup, similar to, um, but even more so than runs. Uh, his expected WOBA, 370, highest over the last uh, three years. A 359 WOBA, so underperformed his expected metrics. 12 stolen bases. Um, and this is actually surprising because the dude is pretty slow. Um, he's below league average in sprint speed, 26.1 feet per second in 2018, but he still managed to steal uh, 12 bases, 1.9% stolen base per plate appearance after 2.9% stolen bases per plate appearance last year when he stole 11. Uh, very uh, a nice success rate, 80% this year, 91.7% last year. Um, so he's a, he picks his spots. Um, and so, you know, I might expect a little bit of a dip in... Um, in stolen bases just because of the sprint speed being lower and another uh, another year added on to his um, his body and the fact that he's moving away from the Indians that had the highest um, number of stolen bases last year. So a lot of that depends on the team and the approach that he signs with. So something to be cognizant of. But all in all, when you look at it, you're looking at a guy who has the potential to um, contribute at varying degrees in the six categories. He's going to pro provide you with elite batting average if he can stay healthy. He's going to provide you with really solid OBP in OBP leagues. He should have a decent number of runs. Um, the home runs are, you know, they're not elite. I don't think he's going to hit. I don't think he's going to break twenty, but he's going to give you, um, you know, fifteen, you know, fifteen to twenty maybe um, if he can play a full healthy season. And so it's not necessarily going to hurt you, especially not having to give up a really high draft pick um, to get him. And then the counting stats are going to be solid as is the stolen bases. So really nice profile over here. Uh, you know, I think you're getting a discount. If he was a guy who had been healthy uh, over the last, you know, three years, he'd probably be a guy going much higher up. Um, because, but people, I think, are still a little bit leery because of the injury. And so he's dropped down. Um, to this position. And I think um, that makes him, you know, obviously a um, little bit of a risk from an injury perspective, only because I think he struggled with a shoulder for a couple years. Um, but he does have one full season, you know, in the rear view mirror being healthy. So, um, you know, uh, depends on your level of risk that you're willing to take, but a really nice uh, profile overall. Let's dig into his um, a detailed batted ball profile to see what was going on. So pop-up uh, percentage really low, not surprisingly for a decent BABIP guy, high batting average, 13.5% down 2.6% from last year and almost 5% better than league average, which is really nice. His fly ball rate was up uh, slightly, actually higher than league average. Again, these are fly balls that don't... that occasionally go for home runs and extra base hits but i think that's 251 batting average um, on these fly balls uh 3.2 percent increase from last year so nothing really too concerning there it's nice to see those being taken away from the pop-ups because they've got a better shot than those hard drive percentage 8.1 percent worse than league average by a decent margin again you know he's getting you home runs because of volume not because he is driving balls deep um uh, line drive percentage, and this is where you see kind of the high batting average, the the decently high um, uh, BABIP and expected BABIP. The line drive percentage is about 5.5% uh, better than league average. So those are really high BABIP, low line drives. His ground ball rate, his high BABIP ground ball rate, um, also 4% better than league average. So in the BABIP department, he's really crushing it. Um, with those ground balls and those line drives. And then his dribbler percentage is 4% below league average at 20.7%. So overall, like uh, pretty consistent profile um, for these two years. Um, he, he hits the ball at launch angles that generate a really decent BABIP. You can see that with the 338 expected BABIP, 326 uh, expected BABIP last year. Uh, so really nice overall there. Does not hit the ball 
Um, well, he, his poor hit percentage is right about league average, but his value hit percentage is 1% above. So again, he's not doing a ton of damage, but he that batting average, I think, is very safe um, with Brantley. Let's take a look at his rolling average graph. The contact is just super elite. This is amazing. He had a 40-game rolling average of 100% Z contact. Every single pitch he swing, swung at in the zone, he made contact with over for 40 games, ending on August 26th. Oh, man, that's nuts. But the in-zone contact is just so nice. It's just so, so, so nice. Ground ball rate also dipping a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, his low was the last 40 games of the season at 40.1%. Um, you know, At the same time, his hard hit rate was also dipping. Uh, 29.7% over the last 40 games, and his O swing was creeping up uh, to around 30% too. So it may be that he worn he wore down um, a little bit uh, as the um, as the year progressed, um, which is not necessarily surprising. Although his WRC plus went up towards the end of the season, so um, you know overall the trends are really really good. The contacts elite. Um, you know, the uh, ground ball rate trending slightly downward, hard hit rate elevated, um, in-zone contact. I already said it, but I want to say it again. It's awesome. And then the O-swing, really solid and consistent um, there as well. Um, just to give you a sense, uh, and I'm trying to incorporate this in more often. I apologize for not um, doing that. But um, when you look at Steamer's projection for him, they are actually projecting him for um, over 600 plate appearances, 630, uh, 641 plate appearances, 288 batting average. I'll take the over on the batting average, 18 home runs, 83 runs, 73 RBIs, and 11 stolen bases. That's just a really solid contribution all around. And it's really hard to get those players, those types of players, um, after pick 100. So he's definitely a guy that I'm going to look at, um, neck, uh, heading into drafts next year. Let's take a look at who is going around him um, in drafts and what the value proposition might be. So he's at 122.2. The guys ahead of him, Aaron Hicks, A.J. Pollock, uh, Rugnet Odor, Jerickson Profar. Uh, guys behind him, Will Myers, David Peralta, Nelson Cruz, Ender Inciarte. So really it depends on what your team construction is looking like here. This is actually a pretty solid little area. Um, you know, if you're looking for power, you can go with like a Nelson Cruz um, there. Uh, David Peralta actually has a fairly similar profile. I haven't had a deep dive on him, but, um, you know, a guy who's made contact but's adding a little bit more power, he does happen to be in a, a lineup that is not going to be as good um, as it has been previously, uh, and it remains to be seen where Brantley does end up landing. Hicks is a guy I like a lot, um, but more of an OBP guy. And so Hicks is going to get you uh, more home runs, probably. Um, he may get you better counting stats in the, in the Yankees lineup, but that average difference uh, is pretty major, and they're, they're looking at pretty similar stolen base totals. So I may lean Hicks there just because I think the ceiling um, is higher than Brantley's, but um, really nice. I would take Brantley uh, over A.J. Pollock, uh, over Rugnet Odor, uh, Profar is a guy I like a lot and has a lot of versatility playing three positions. I got to dig into him a little bit more. But again, you know, Brantley, I think even compared to Profar, looks really nice just because the batting average gives him such, um, such, a, such a high advantage, the combination of batting average and stolen bases. So um, obviously Brantley, a guy that I like a lot. Um, again, it's going to be a team construction issue. It never hurts to add. Uh, batting average and stolen bases to your lineup, especially when it comes with three other categories that aren't going to hurt you in runs, RBIs, and home runs. Um, so a guy I like uh, going around uh, around 120 uh, in drafts this year, and you may even see him fall a little bit because of the injury concerns. The last player we are going to cover in today's podcast is Jose Quintana, starting pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Quintana struggled mightily last year, uh, really hurting fantasy owners who drafted him around an ADP of 70. Um, just really struggled for the first time um, in his recent uh, career. 
Um, he had been a guy that was just a really solid rock, consistent, but I think there was a lot of signs pointing heading into uh, last year that um, you know there may have been some luck that was on his side, especially during his time with the Cubs at the end of 2017. Um, as a result, I was off of him and lucky enough was did not have the fortune of owning him uh, at all last year, but he's dropped considerably in ADP, his too early uh, average draft position in the 10 two early mocks drafts was 149.1. Uh, that has fallen a ways to 187.5 with a min pick of 167 and a max pick of 217 in, um, in the 20 NFBC uh, drafts that have taken place. Again, you know, his max pick at, or his min pick at 167 in those NFBC drafts is uh, much higher than the 149 to early draft position. So maybe that's an indication that his stock is going down. Um, well, his stock is going down, but maybe that means that it's going to trend even further um, downward. We shall see. Very consistent over the last three years. Three consecutive years of 32 games started. It's not Chris Davis's 247 streak, but uh, we like to see consistency. 174 and a third innings pitched uh, last year. The lowest of the last three years, he had 188 and two-thirds and then 208 uh, the two previous years. 13, 11, and 13 wins, so not a great win percentage um, overall. Just hasn't been something that uh, he's been able to achieve. But with the Cubs, it's certainly a possibility uh, next year. His um, 2017 was obviously half of the time with the White Sox, who were terrible. And then his year before that was with the White Sox when they were pretty terrible as well. So one thing to consider K-minus walk rate down at 12.2%, so below uh, worse than league average at 13.8%, and that's down from 18.5%. So a 6.3% uh, drop in uh, K-minus walk rate. His K-rate dropped about 5% to 21.4%, 1% below league average. This was actually something that I was worried about heading into last year, that 26.2% really stuck out because his strikeout skills are not that good at all. Uh, for instance, that 26.2% strikeout rate, so... 4% better than league average, came on an 8.5% swinging strike rate, which is 2.2% below league average for a swinging strike rate, and that is the metric that correlates highest with strikeouts. And so that just seemed like it was a little off, that there was a little bit of luck. And so that's one of the reasons why I was fading him last year. 21.4% seems a little bit more legit uh, with the 8.1% swinging strike rate. His... Um, uh, his strikeouts, uh, 158 uh, in 174 in a third inning and 8.16 K per nine. So if you're in K per nine or innings pitched limit uh, uh, leagues, he's definitely takes um, a, a, a hit there um, in terms of his value because I do not anticipate him. He may approach, um, uh, well, no, I think that's about right where I would have him moving forward. Um, he just doesn't have the swinging strike stuff. And I'll get to that when I cover um, his uh, his arsenal. Uh, the highest swinging strike rate he has on any pitch is 11%. So that pretty much caps your ceiling pretty good um, in terms of your swinging strike rate. Uh, contact rate, his in-zone contact rate, 89.9%. So 4.5% worse than league average. He gives up a ton of contact, and that is dangerous in today's game. Overall contact rate, again, not surprisingly well above league average. Walk percentage, 9.2% uh, last year, well above the 77 and 6% that he had um, last year. One of the major issues with Quintana is that he, he does, again, his arsenal does not include pitches with really high chase rates. And so his O swing the last three years, 27.2, 27.8, 27.5. So 3% or worse than league average. So he's got to come in the zone because he's not getting guys to chase. He's got a great first pitch strike rate. So he gets ahead of batters, uh, 67 point, um, or sorry, 65.4% uh, this year. So 5% better than league average, 67.1 and 65%. So he's getting ahead of hitters, but he doesn't have the stuff to really put hitters away. So he doesn't get them to chase. And then his zone rate has also been going down. 45.2% two years ago, 448 last year, and then this year in 2018, 43.2%. So right around league average. So if you have a zone percentage that is right around league average and you're not getting folks to chase outside the zone, 
not surprisingly, he's got a worse than league average walk rate. That is definitely something that needs to change if he's going to turn it around because he gives up way too much contact. 132 whip uh, in 2018, 122 in 2017, and 116. Again, trending in the wrong direction for Quintana. His BABIP was 282 this year, and that was on an expected BABIP of 319. So he should have actually done worse. Um, that is a huge um, concern, obviously. I mean, that's a 37-point uh, gap. Last year, he had a 301 BABIP on a 326 expected BABIP. Now, he's lucky because he plays for the Cubs, and the Cubs are notorious for suppressing BABIP. So that may be a situation where they're playing the shift or um, otherwise are um, helping out a little bit defensively for Quintana. So you know maybe he's somebody who can outperform his expected BABIP, but again, uh, raises some some concerns. His expected BABIP the last three years, 319, 326, and 306. So well above league average um, in all three of those seasons. Soft hit rate down, a hard hit rate slightly better than, slightly lower than uh, league average. So, you know, overall batted ball metrics are, are, there's nothing that stands out as being terrible. He's right around league average or at league average at 43.2% in terms of his ground ball rate. Over the last two years, that's been pretty steady, 44.8% last year. Uh, Woba, 319 this year. Remember, 315 is kind of fantasy viable league average. Uh, for a pitcher, he's at three, three, uh, 319 and a 327 expected Woba. Uh, even last year, his expected Woba was 320, but he had a 301 um, Woba, 294 and 297 the year before that. So again, trending in the wrong direction. A 403 ERA, again, it's not going to kill you. The, the whip hurts a lot more at 1.32 um, because of the walk rate and the fact that he's letting too many balls get put in play. 403 is not going to hurt you that bad, but when the guy that you draft, um, you know, in the 70 to 80 ADP range does that, then that's when it when it hurts. Um, FIP 448, XFIP 418, Sierra 439. So again, indicating that he may have um, outperformed what the underlying skills and metrics indicate. Left on base percentage 76.8 uh, percent, so better than league average and higher than last year's 71.4 percent. 25 home runs given up this year, 21.7 expected home runs, so may have been a little unlucky there. 23 and 23.7 um, in 2017, uh, so pretty consistent in terms of how uh, of giving up home runs. His home run per fly ball rate uh, spiked this year 14.7% compared to 13.2% last year, but the expected home run per fly ball, 13.6 last year and 12.8 this year, so that's probably more the true talent level at this point in time right around 13% for home run per fly ball rate. So right around league average, slightly worse. Uh, he's uh, 1.29 home runs per nine, uh, worse than league average of 1.16, but 1.12 in terms of expected. So right around league average in those home run metrics. Barrels, 4.2% last year, 3.8% in 2017, 3.2% in 2016. So again, the trend is, he is headed um, in the wrong direction. Let's take a look at the detailed batted ball profile for Quintana. This year, his pop-ups uh, were at 18.4%, so right around league average. Fly ball percent, uh, 9%, so slightly below league average. Hard drive percentage at 10.6%, actually down from last year's 11.5%. So that's good, but still, you know, um, you know, obviously a lot of this depends on value and where he's going now. You don't have the same expectations, but last year when you were dra drafting a guy, you know, 70 to 80, you don't want him to be league average in terms of giving up uh, really good contact, right? You want him to be below league average, right around league average in terms of line drive percentage, ground ball percentage, and dribbler percentage as well. So all in all, like I'm just a mediocre, pretty much in line with league averages in terms of his um, uh, uh, detailed bad ball profile. Uh, not surprisingly, poor hit percentage, 25.9%, so slightly worse than league average, but right around 25.5% league average, and then giving up slightly worse than league average, 9.7% value hits compared to 9%. So um, overall, you can just see that we're talking about a guy who gives up mediocre batted balls, um, and his um, control metrics are headed in the wrong direction. And the strikeout skills just aren't really there. He's relying, at least in 2017, what seemed like a little bit of a lucky um, performance um, to do that. So 
a lot of concerns there. Uh, when we look at his repertoire, I mentioned this. One thing that's key is the is the velocity on his four-seam fastball was down um, half a tick, um, and it's at 91.7 miles per hour. So it's not he's not throwing heat, so every little tick uh, matters there. And no doubt that that was part of um, some of the issues that he had because that four-seam fastball, a 102 WRC+, plus, 315 Woba, not bad at all. Um, but that's the first time that he's had a um, WRC plus of over 100 on that forcing fastball uh, since 2015. Uh, it was at 70 and 93 the two previous years. So again, trending in the wrong direction. His curveball, 92 WRC plus, 292 Woba. So fine, about league average, probably a little worse than league average for uh, your, your um, traditional curveball. And again, trending in the wrong direction from last year. Sinker is a really bad pitch, 124, um, WRC plus 345. Um, uh, Woba, that's after 147 last year, uh, and 377. So that's the major change because in 2016, the last time he had a really uh, solid season, that sinker was at an 84 WRC plus with a 276 um, Woba. So major concern. One of the reasons why that, that I think there's reason for optimism in Jose Jose Quintana's profile, I'm kind of bashing him here and saying the trends are all wrong. Everything's bad. Life is terrible. But, um, is the fact that he started to fade that sinker as the season progressed and his skills definitely improved as a result. And so I think if he can continue that, I think, uh, there's potential for him to return some value going where he's going right now. So I'm not saying don't draft him at all. Um, uh, it's just going to depend on, um, you know, that, that, the, the uh, you know, the percentage of the pitches, different pitches that he does throw. His changeup is not a good pitch, a 132 uh, WRC plus 355 Woba. Again, a huge difference from last year when that was his best pitch, 46 WRC plus 224 um, Woba. But that's the only year that that pitch has been a good pitch for him, um, is 2017. So I would not anticipate that that's going to rebound. Let's take a look at um, the skills. Now, the, the reason for optimism is at the end of the season, there was some positive developments. His 10-game swinging strike rate was up at 9.6%, so still 1% below league average, but 1.5% um, better than his season-long uh, swinging strike rate, so on, on the uptick over those last 10 games. His O-swing... 30.4%, so right around league average. Again, you know, not ideal on the upswing because that's better than um, his, his uh, season-long average of around 27%. He was throwing the ball in the zone less, but the O-swing rebounded, so about the same um, overall. Uh, his first pitch strike rate pretty consistently um, finished his last 10 games at 65.2%, uh, very consistent around that trend line, around 65%, which is nice. And then his Z contact also dipped towards the end of the season down to 87.1%, um, um, you know, after peaking at 92.7%, which is like, hey, guess what? You're Jose Ramirez, every single batter on pitches inside the zone. Um, so what was underlying some of these positive developments? Now, we, again, like you never know for sure. There's a lot of variables that it can be, but I like to look at the rolling average graphs. I like to look at uh, the pitch mix. And when we see his sinker, which has the lowest swinging strike rate, you want to know something? I didn't cover the skills of his repertoire. I totally skipped over that. So let's go back. So uh, his sinker has, not surprisingly, the lowest swinging strike rate, 4.4%, and the O swing is terrible, 20.7%. His four-seam fastball, 7.3%, and 22.3% on the O swing are better in both instances. And they're, and his four-seam fastball is actually a positive pitch in terms of p-value, 0.8%. Per 100 thrown, 12 overall, whereas his sinker was terrible. It was equally as bad as his four seam was good in terms of pitch value. And again, one thing that's important to note is that the way that the pitch values work, and I, I don't know the 100% the intricacies, but essentially is you get a, every single pitch is counted, and if it's positive, right, if it's a strike, if it's an out, um, then it moves it the, the uh, meter in the positive direction. If it's a negative pitch, like a ball or a hit, um, uh, then uh, it moves the dial in the negative direction. And so it's outcomes-based. It's not necessarily reflective of the skills necessarily, though 
you know, as, as in many outcomes, the skills kind of underlie uh, those outcomes. So getting back to that, so the four-seam fastball, again, nothing really to write home about, but it, it was generating some decently positive, um, you know, uh, outcomes. Um, and we saw earlier with the WRC+, Plus, it was about league average. His curveball, though, was a negative pitch for him. Only 11.1% swinging strike rate on that pitch, 35.8% uh, O swing. So his curveball is really the only pitch uh, that is generating um, an O swing that is above league average. And so he threw that pitch the second most of any pitch. But again, even that O swing is not that high, 35.8%. I mean, there's guys who have 35.8% O swings on their entire repertoire when you take all of it. 11.1% um, swinging strike rate. You know, again, curveballs don't generally have the highest swinging strike rates, uh, but still, you know, you want to see a little bit higher than that if you're going to see a higher swinging strike rate. The changeup, 11.6% swinging strike rate, but the O swing on that was 27.8%. Again, horrendous pitch, negative 3.2 um, pitch value per 100 thrown. That may be the worst that I have seen. <laughs> um, uh, that may be the worst that I've seen uh, so far. <laughs> Um, and normally you see like the good ones or the really bad ones in the negative twos. That's negative 3.2. So definitely stop throwing that pitch, uh, Jose Quintana. So, but the key is that when his skills improved, he faded the sinker, which has the lowest O swing and the lowest swinging strike rate. So you see the swinging strike rate and the O swing, uh, rebound a little bit. You see the Z contact, um, going down a little bit. And so when you look at some of the, let's take a look at what, um, you know, we looked at the skills. Let's take a look at what some of some of the outcomes um, look like um, when that was happening. And I and I really like um, to do this is kind of look at the K percentage and the walk percentage. How are they changing based on um, what he's throwing? So as he faded the sinker, you know, towards the end of the year, faded the sinker. Let's see what he what else he did with the curve. Um, Yeah, curve, curve usage pretty steady. It was just the four-seam fastball that he was throwing more. So as that four-seam fastball peaked and he started throwing um, the sinker less, uh, his K percentage hopped up a little bit, um, and the 10-game rolling average was 23.7%, so slightly better than league average. Similarly, the walk percentage also went down, uh, down to 6.3% over his last 10 games pitched. So that 6.3%, you take that and you minus the 23.7% and you've got yourself a, you know, 17.1% K minus walk rate. Now we're talking more vintage Jose Quintana. So maybe he's figured out something here. Similarly, um, if we take that away, we look at the XFIP over that same period of time, those last 10 games, 361. All right. Now we're starting to see some progress. So you can kind of see where how much of a difference pitch, make, pitch mix makes, right? And so hopefully this is something that the Cubs noticed. Um, again, they're going to have much better analytics than I am. So maybe there's other variables that are going on um, in this situation. But where Quintana is going um, right now, I don't necessarily mind taking a shot at him depending on what the rest of your pitching staff looks like, right? He's not a guy that I want to be relying on, but close to pitch 200, um, if he can get back to where he was, where he was throwing 200 innings, you know, to throwing 200 innings, striking out 180, 190 guys with a mid threes um, ERA and maybe like a one, two whip. I mean, that's, that's going to be a valuable pitcher in today's landscape. And so um, I don't necessarily mind taking him um, in this position. Let's take a look at some of the pitchers above and below him. So uh, directly uh, going in front of him, Tyler Glass now, Andrew Heaney, uh, John Lester, uh, Dallas Keuchel, Nathan Eovaldi. Behind him, Sean Newcomb. A lot of relievers, guys. John Gray. A lot of relievers. Kevin Gaussman. So in this particular scenario, I need to dig, dig deeper into some of these guys. But of the ones that I know a little bit about, I like Glass now more. I just think the ceiling is higher. I think Heaney um, had shown enough um, to be in a similar position as Quintana. I think the strikeout skills are maybe a little higher. That might be actually a good comp as Quintana and, and Heaney. I like him more than Lester. 
I like him more than Keuchel, depending obviously on where Keuchel ends up. I like him more than Newcomb for sure. Um, and then I like him more than Gray. So I think he's going about the right position um, for me, uh, you know, close to pick 200 here. And so I, I think he's a guy who could see if he sticks with the right pitch mix, you know, maybe even gets rid of that changeup entirely, although that's difficult because then he's really only got the four-seamer in the curve. So, you know, I think the ceiling is, is maxed out. I don't think it's very high for Quintana, um, but where he's going right now, if he can just get back to where he was before, um, he might be able to, he should be able to return um, some value. Whether or not that happens, I just, you know, I don't know. I think it could go either way, but he may be worth uh, taking a risk right here if you have some solid pitching um, and you're just looking for um, innings that aren't going to hurt you too bad at this point in the draft. That is going to wrap us up for episode 46 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for less. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Xander Bogarts, a guy I really like. There was there's just kind of this void in that kind of late third round, late middle third round in terms of hitters in 15 team leagues. And so I'm really glad that I found a guy that I really like in that position in Bogart. So I think I'll have at least one, maybe two shares of him this year at a minimum. Uh, Michael Brantley, another guy I like going at his ADP around 122. Obviously he has the injury concerns in his past, but he gave us a healthy uh, 600 plate appearance uh, or close to it season. Um, so hopefully he is on the mend and he finds himself in a good situation in free agency because he's a guy who can really contribute across all categories and not hurt you. And you can never have enough of those types of balanced profiles. And then Jose Quintana, a lot of things headed in the wrong direction for him in terms of trends. But the one good one is that little slight tweak in his pitch mix. Um, towards the end of last year that had some of the skills rebounding um, and some of the outcomes like ERA uh, um, rebounding as well. So that might he might be a little pocket of value there uh, going towards ADP of 200, particularly with a lot of question marks around some of the other pitchers that are going there. So if you have a solid start to your pitching uh, core, uh, then I think going with Quintana and hoping that he can get you innings without hurting you too much is not a bad strategy at all when it comes to uh, uh, roster construction. Uh, also touched on uh, Jonathan VR, uh, Adalberto Mondesi um, controversy, if you will, um, at the beginning of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. I will dig into those two um, on, a, on, a, on a podcast coming up because I think that'll be a really fun show. So um, thanks as always again for listening. Um, reach out to me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That's the best place to connect. Best of luck with your fantasy baseball research with every podcast. We are getting closer to the fantasy baseball season. We're getting closer to drafts. We're getting more and more discussions and analysis. I am loving it. Um, take care of yourselves um, and definitely be kind to one another. <laughs>